0: From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. All
1: right, let's get to the starting five, starting with number five. five Broncos beat the Bills last night. Ugly at times. Can you imagine, by the way, this, this happened last night. I know many of you... Uh, and I've, I've been guilty of it in the past, right? You might doze off on the, the couch before the Monday Night Football gets all the way to its conclusion, uh, especially when it's not the most interesting game in the world. Um, the Bills could have won the game. All they had to do was have 11 guys on the field for the final field goal. The Broncos kicked a game-winning field goal and missed. But the Bills had 12 guys on the defense so they got to kick it again five yards closer, and they drilled it the second time.
2: But I think that just goes to show if you're Sean McDermott, you're kind of beating your head with a clipboard right now or after the game. That kind of just shows how much the Bills kind of self-sabotage themselves all game long with you turnovers,
1: ar- you penalties. Could, you could argue it's I mean, it's a coaching thing, right? That's like, also true. Uh, I mean, going back to Pop Warner, right? You count the guys out there, right? How many are there, you, you're aware. Um, I was a holder in college, the holder on PATs. The first thing I did, or field goals, the first thing I did when I got out there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'd look at the kicker, I would say 10. I would point to myself and say 11. Because, right, like on offense and defense, you're kind of the wide receiver coach knows where the wide receivers have to be, how many of them need to be out there. In field goal or in any special team, it's a little different, right? Somebody yeah. gets hurt on defense if they're on starting field goal. Sometimes that isn't communicated very well. You should be checking. They didn't check. It's a coaching thing. But regardless of why they lost, and I don't think that would be the offensive coordinator's fault, the offensive coordinator was fired today. Ken Dorsey relieved of his duties. Ken Dorsey relieved of his duties. Ken Dorsey was the quarterback's coach here in uh, Carolina for a bunch of the years that Cam Newton was here. Promoting to take his place? joe brady who was the offensive coordinator in carolina uh in 2020 and 2021 um first of all we can argue until we're blue in the face on if ken dorsey deserved to be fired right uh josh allen probably deserves some of the 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 heat he's turned the ball over a bunch right so He's gotta kinda of wear that on his conscience simply because they can't move on from Josh Allen. What he does is more rare than what Ken Dorsey does. So if if something bad is happening and they need a change, it's gonna be the coordinator over the quarterback every time.
2: And it's also at a point now with Josh Allen's performance. It's not like you could say maybe in a previous seasons where, oh, he'll make up for it on the next offensive drive. There he there's no making up for it this season.
1: And there might be. There hasn't been in, in games. I, still t- I mean,
2: yeah, he had the Russian touchdown at the end of the game. but and
1: Well, this is where it becomes kind of the coordinator. There were a couple third and shorts where I thought he should have tucked it and run. Now, he, who's giving Josh Allen the directive to protect himself, right? Because he very obviously was like, oh, I'm going to try to get the first down throwing it so I don't take a hit. And I'm going like, ah, get the first. Like, there's there's differences there. But I say all of that to say this. Nobody knows what they're doing when it comes to developing quarterbacks. Ken Dorsey was in Buffalo for many of the formative years where Josh Allen went from a raw, physically gifted, uh turnover prone youngster to a MVP candidate. Right? He finished, I think, it was third in MVP a couple of years ago. He was one of the better players in the the entire league. That playoff game against the Chiefs, where where the Chiefs scored with 13 seconds on the clock to, to win it, uh where they had a drive with 13 seconds on the clock to win it. That's the best quarterback game I've ever seen from Mahomes and Allen. Allen was equally there. Best quarterback game I've ever seen. You would think Ken Dorsey knows what makes that guy tick. He was there for all of it. He watched it happen. He helped it helped it happen. So if if it is just such a delicate game, right? You go from the guy that turn Josh Allen into Josh Allen to the guy that's now letting Josh Allen turn back into a pumpkin. And I'm going hmm. So if, if, if you are responsible for building up Bryce Young, I mean it is an everyday thing. It's not hey you get him up to being a certain level and then you're good. It's you got to get him up to a certain level and work just as hard to keep him at that certain level.
2: I, I, I was just going to say it, Eli Manning even mentioned this last night during the simulcast is that someone has to go up to him and say like, like you said don't be afraid to tuck the ball. There's plenty of chances that they could have had last night on a third and short for him to just take off running. And we, And I, I feel I like he got away from his game a little bit. That's what Josh Allen used to be known for.
1: I, I would tell him to and, – and they're such different quarterbacks, but I'd tell him to watch Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson doesn't stop running, even though everyone wants him to be a pocket passer. Just like Josh Allen has kind of stopped running because everyone wants him to be a pocket passer. All, all Lamar does – is he's smart about the hits he takes, right? He he glancing blows. He gets out of bounds when he can. He never takes a, 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 a hit straight on. That's where Josh Allen gets himself in trouble, when he remembers that he's 250 pounds and a defensive back is you know 210. And tries to the bulldoze somebody. And, and he, yeah, he tries to lower the shoulder. I'm going to take that out of your game. Don't take picking up first downs on third and three out of your game. Just take the... Extra two yards you get once you get the first down because you bowl over a linebacker out of your game. Uh, but it is it's just fascinating watching people we used to think knew how to develop quarterbacks maybe fumble with a little bit now. That says how hard it is for somebody like Bryce Young and the Panthers. That's number four or number three. Let's get to number four. We are the four horseless speaking of the Panthers. JC Horn has officially had his practice window open. Now he got hurt very early in the season, uh, and he has been waiting for the opportunity to return, recovering, getting back to health. Uh, J.C. Horn is a former top-ten pick, a cornerback, who I would say has succeeded in everything he's tried in the NFL aside from staying healthy. I think when he's out there, he's very good. I think he uh, makes plays. I think he he's not hidden. The team trusts him to make plays. He just can't stay out there. He's had a bunch of different injuries, um, and that's actually important to emphasize. A bunch of different injuries. This is not uh, they, like there are people out there that are hamstring people, and hamstring this year miss a month. Hamstring six months from now miss a month. Hamstring uh, miss si- six weeks. Hamstring miss two weeks. This has been like a foot, an ankle, an elbow, a this, a that. He's like you know trying to to. I don't know, like win the bingo of injuries. He, it, which I don't know if that that's it's actually kind of an interesting little thought exercise. Uh, does that make him more injury prone because he's liable to get anything hurt, or does it make them all fluke injuries because it, it it it's never been the same one twice? Either way, him returning I think is big for the Panthers. If he can, he's opened up his 21-day window, which means they have to add him to the uh, the active roster within 21 days. Once he gets back, I think it's all about getting his value back. At the trade deadline, I was advocating, me, you heard it here on this show, to trade just about everybody, right, outside of Bryce Young and maybe Adam Thielen because I think Bryce Young needs a security blanket. Other than that, I was like, hey, hear every offer. Brian Burns, hear every offer. Get the best he can get. Derek Brown, hear every offer. Dante Jackson, hear every offer. Anyone in the pass game, hear every offer. I was advocating for a bunch of trades. I never once advocated to trade J.C. Horn unless you got your socks knocked off. And the reason why is because I thought it would be a sell low. I think if you let him play for half a season and he stays healthy and he plays how he can play and he plays up to his potential and he plays up to his ability, he will be worth a significantly higher uh, return. That's what this season becomes about for him. Play well, but more importantly, stay healthy – If you go into the offseason on a streak of seven legit games, six legit games, the Panthers have options. Right now, I don't feel like they have options. At the trade deadline, I don't think they had options when it comes to J.C. Horn. You couldn't trade him because you'd be selling low, and no one wants to do that. This offseason, if he gives you six good games to end the year, you can trade him for a higher value. You can decide after watching him for those six games, He's a a cornerstone of your franchise, and you're gonna build the defense around him. You can try to get picks. You can try to get players. You can pick up his fifth-year option. You can decline his fifth-year option. You can do all of that based on the information you gather over the next couple of months. So, make sure you do that. Make sure he's out there. Make sure you're testing him on islands. Don't hide him. Once he's healthy, let him play. The defense has been, I would say, adequate.
2: Strongest part of the Panthers, maybe. Um, hmm,
1: interesting. pinheiro has been a decent kicker. He didn't make the 59-yard but, game <laughs> winner, but he's been okay. Uh, is they, it that that with a kicker is the strongest point? Emir Smith Marset just returned a 79-yarder for a punt return. Special teams is the best. Maybe, maybe but see, they've had their mistakes too. So. I'm not going that far. Uh, let's hear from Frank Reich about the defense. Here he is talking about the defense, which will have J.C. Horn joining them in the not too distant future.
0: Yeah, Jarrow and the defensive staff, the the, the 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 unit has done a very nice job. Um, playing really good team defense, very consistent, um, playing together. Um, very happy with you know with what the defense is doing, um, and need to keep doing it. Um, you know this week will obviously be a big challenge with the Cowboys and excuse me, high-powered offense, you know, coming into the stadium. So it'll be a great challenge for our defense.
1: Yeah, the defense is solid, but th- that actually just tells me that you can act- adequately evaluate the defense, right? This season is so much about gathering information. I talk about it all the time. As you gather information about J.C. Horn, if the defense has been playing well, then it's not, oh, he's being brought down by the supporting cast or, oh, the, the secondary can't do anything because the pass rush isn't getting home. It's like, well, if Brian Burns is out there and Frankie Louvu's is rushing the passer, and if you know Xavier Woods and Von Bell end up getting healthy for a period of time at the same time, and if Dante Jackson's on the other side, I think we can evaluate J.C. Horn fairly and adequately. That's number four. Let's get to number three.
0: One, two, three...
1: Peyton Wilson, Defensive Player of the Year campaign. Welcome, everybody. You can go over six weeks ago, the first time I mentioned that he should be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And by the way, I was not talking. Like, I, I, I can I can see it in my mind's eye, right? Theater of the mind. I was sitting right here, and I said, Peyton Wilson should be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And uh, Dennis, who is traditionally uh, producing the show, said in the ACC. And I said, no, nationally. And his eyes got big. Doesn't seem so crazy now, does it? And that's not a knock on Dennis. That's a knock on everybody else that because he eventually got on board right after shortly after that. Uh, the bandwagon is really filling up over the last couple of weeks. I was going to say, I don't feel like it was that far of a stretch when you said it at the time. I I, I, I wasn't. I didn't say it because I was trying to stretch. I was saying it because NC State should have been on that. Now I know they had a lot, like the coaching staff had a lot on their plate. But like the marketing standpoint, the the social media, all you have to promote your guys. Because here's the thing. Even even if I was a little early, which obviously I was not, but even if I was, what's at risk? Right? If they would have pumped out a whole bunch of uh uh you know social media graphics, emails, newsletters. Uh, you know, made a couple of uh, viral marketing campaigns to promote Peyton Wilson, their, their linebacker at NC State, as the number one defensive player of the year candidate, and then he has a, a cold stretch and he doesn't play well for a month, who does it hurt? All right, fine, he doesn't win the award. But the thing is, if you're late getting there, it becomes more difficult for him to, to live up to it, right? Because once you become a candidate, right, once – Everybody is aware. All right, this guy's a defensive player of the year, maybe. They're going to watch games, and they're waiting to be affirmed, right? They're waiting for it to be confirmed. They want to concur with what you're saying. That would have happened against Clemson, right? Clemson coming out of a bye, big game. He gets the interception. He dives for the end zone. Everyone's like, oh, I see why NC State loves him. I see why he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Heck, he's got my vote. Last two weeks since they've really started the campaign, he doesn't have that Heisman moment yet, that that dive for the end zone yet, and now he has to do it in the last couple of games here or else he might miss out on an opportunity.
2: Well, just looking back at the 2022 season, ranked 15th in the ACC in tackles per game, led the team in tackles at number 5 Clemson with 11, the same at UNC, ranked 3rd in the squad in total tackles with 83, Tally 2.5 tackles with loss, including two sacks in the win over Virginia Tech, Keep in mind, he also left the opener and missed two games, but came back to play 53 snaps and let the teams in tackle in the win over Texas Tech, his first game back. The dude's a machine. The dude's a machine. Matter of fact, that would have worked, because
1: six weeks ago we were trying to come up with a nickname to use for him. The machine would have kind of worked. What about Alpha Wolf? We Well, the wolf was a big one. The, the eventually we, we settled on, and this was a suggestion from a, a listener, uh, the Everywhere Wolf. Because it's like werewolf, but he's everywhere, every werewolf. It's like a before and after on uh, Wheel of Fortune. Uh, either way, my point is, because you're late to the campaign, you have to you have to campaign harder. Because it's it's the ugly side of the business. You have to campaign. It is politics, right? It's the ugly side of like the Oscars in that if you're an actor and you don't do all the schmoozing and all of the glad-handing and you don't shake hands and kiss babies, you're not going to win the Oscar. Should be about what's put on film, but you got to do the other stuff. It should be about what the player puts on tape, but it's also about can you market, can you build the narrative, can you build the storyline to get the votes. Peyton Wilson deserves the award. Now it's up to everybody else to get it for him.
2: Uh, by the way, coming into this season, his stock was already high as far as the NFL draft goes for this year, or this upcoming mm-hmm. year, I should say. It's about to go through the roof if he won the ACC or if he won Defensive Player of the Year.
1: I think it's still a situation where he's probably a day two pick at best just because of age and injury history. Uh, but it's a day two pick that you're picking expecting to, like, become a starter. It's it's very – you know, he's he's got it. Whatever it is, he's got it. That's number three. Let's get to number two.
0: The two
1: Slightly breaking news here unexpected news i actually I'm, I'm gonna bring up the game from last night to see what the uh what the 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 stats were michael carter former university of north carolina uh running back was cut from the jets oh he wasn't never mind, i'm thinking javante williams was in the game last night that would have been his teammate sunday night uh, michael carter now i gotta look up the other game to see if you, uh, michael carter was cut he was released from the jets just uh, a couple minutes ago, really. I don't know if you
2: want to look up the stats from their game against the Raiders. Well,
1: I mean, obviously that that's going to be part of the story here. Um, first of all, Jet's not great from the beginning. Uh, he has no catches on one target, and then that's it. No rushes, no catches on one target. Am I missing something there? That's what he had against the Raiders?
2: Zero yards, zero rushing yards, zero rushing attempts, zero touchdowns.
1: Yeah, so he, he played sparingly. They they targeted him once, and he didn't make the catch. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't remember the play. Um, I think he's an interesting player on the open market. The fact of the matter is uh, he's probably underwhelmed this year, but he's had some success in the past. Uh, he was a high draft pick, or at least a mid-round draft pick, I should say. Um, and when you're, you're on the New York Jets, they have – they have running backs, right? They're gonna get the ball to Brees Hall a ton. They're gonna to get the ball to Dalvin Cook a bunch. Uh, they've paid them money. They've drafted them higher. They've they've uh, they're de- more dependent on them. So Michael Carter, and and they drafted uh Bonnie Kanda yep. out of out of Pittsburgh. So there's there's only so many mouths to feed in that offense, and they gotta pepper Garrett Wilson with targets. Uh so Maybe a little bit of opportunity somewhere else might be good for him. Waddle, Lazard, two receivers. Waddle, Lazard, Conklin, uh, Uzama, uh, tight ends, um, and obviously everyone's just sitting around waiting for Aaron Rodgers anyway. So uh, he's it, it's it's a bummer for North Carolina fans because you never want to see somebody you know get cut, uh, especially somebody that you know was was pretty darn good for you. Those offenses when it was Sam Howell. And Diami Brown, who connected for an almost game-winning touchdown this past weekend for, for the Commanders. Uh, Daz Newsome, uh, the early stages of Josh Downs, um, when it was uh, Michael Carter, Javante Williams. I mean, that's some of the most fun offensive football I've seen in college. Nothing but good memories. So it's a bummer to see Michael Carter, you know, get cut. But in the NFL, when you're a running back, sometimes it's better to get cut before your contract's up because what Michael Carter represented for the Jets was a very cheap option to be a very deep on the depth chart depth piece of of their running back room because they drafted him in the mid round rookie contracts are limited um you right you put them all the way down at the bottom of the depth chart you never use them but it doesn't cost you that much and you know on a rainy day if there's a bunch of injuries you have a guy you can go to in a running back world right as soon as you're 27 your value drops out so if he's just sitting there waiting for his rookie contract to expire, those are years he's not going to get back. Now he can get a, a jump start on his next place. I firmly believe there will be a next place for Michael Carter. I don't think he's going to be on the outside looking in. So, you know, somebody will grab him, and he'll have an opportunity to prove himself somewhere else in a different offense with a different coordinator where he's not behind Brees Hall. Maybe a blessing in disguise, but definitely still tough to swallow at the moment. Uh, that's number two. Let's get to number one. Go one. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open a 16th. To our grand opening party, then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m.
2: Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at TheDesignery.com.
1: Frank Wright keeps hinting like he might take the play calling back for Carolina or at least he refuses to commit to Thomas Brown continuing to call the offense in Carolina for a snippet of what that sounds like. Here's Frank Reich on if Thomas Brown will continue calling you. Uh,
0: no, have not totally, you know, dialed that in, you know, pretty much. what As I've said, we've been collaborative um, in much of what we do. I'm still evaluating the whole thing. And so, you know, and how it actually is going to function or not, but, um, Is there a chance you might be more collaborative than you have been the last few weeks? You know, I, I just, I'm really just thinking the whole thing through. First of all, like, however we've done the play calling, who's ever been doing the play calling, we haven't performed as an offense. So let me just make that point clear, first of all. Um, as I look towards, you know, now the last half of the season, um, what's, the best, what's the best dynamic and why? Um, any decision that's ultimately made is, um, you know, is just going to be based on that one pure factor. So that's how we'll approach
2: it. Ooh. I don't know. Let me, let me, first of all, let me.
1: Can we be decisive one time for me, Frank? Thomas Brown is our guy. When we made the switch to him, it was not an audition. We made the switch to him, and we tossed him the keys to the offense, and I want him to grow and learn with Bryce Young for the rest of the season at least. That's the way you answer that question. Most times in college and professional sports, when you're at the podium, there's no right or wrong answers. Just, you know, be a little honest, be a little charming, be a little uh, transparent, let us see something that, that interests us, and move on. With this one, There was a right answer. Is Thomas Brown calling plays? Yes, he is. It would be crazy to give someone a massive new job responsibility and take it away from them less than a month later. We want him to be confident in his play calling. We don't want him to be play calling scared. We don't want him thinking, oh, gosh, if this play doesn't work, he's going to lose his job. We're giving him the reins, and the reins are his. Any other questions? You also need confidence
2: in the offense.
1: You all I mean, the offense needs confidence in your play caller. The, uh, confidence needs to flow up and down smoothly from player to coordinator to play caller to coach to head coach to GM to owner, from owner to GM to coach and up and down and all the way back around. Might be the biggest problem with the Panthers. I don't know if anyone has any confidence in anyone. Right? The rumors are out there that Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud and not Bryce Young. That probably means he's not super confident in Bryce Young. Bryce Young has already dealt with two play callers in the first two and a half months of his career. Probably not super confident in the coaches. David Tepper, probably not super confident in whoever got them to one in eight or one in seven, whatever they are, one in ten, one in a million. Uh, the, the GM, probably not confident in David Tepper letting him keep his job. Frank Reich, probably not confident in whoever didn't listen to him for the, uh, the quarterback. Nobody's confident in each other, which makes me, ready for this, not confident in them.